Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. To remain open-minded and, and curious, um, I think it's having that that proficiency to always want to learn, always want to get better, and not dismissing things too easily or being too set in your ways. The Coaches Network bringing the game together. You're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies, I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds an FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching, with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways, alongside a vast experience on individual, player and team performance analysis. And as part of our Insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences, so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and today I'm joined by a very special guest today, the Academy Manager at Lincoln City, Jordan McCann. How are you doing, Jordan? Yeah, good evening, Yas. Very well, thank you. Thanks for having us on. Brilliant. Jordan, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to get straight into the heart of it. Where did your coaching journey start? You know, your Academy Manager now, but where did it all begin? Yeah, so quite a while ago um, now, Yas, when I was when I was still playing, actually, um, I, I always took a a real interest in how sessions were constructed and, and designed. Um, so as, as far back as school, I actually had a, a little dabble at coaching um, when I was in doing my GCSEs actually at, at high school in year 10 and 11 with some of the younger players at school. So that was probably my first go of putting some cones and balls down and trying to find out what, what it was all about. Um, and then a, a little bit more seriously, I suppose, later on, once I'd, I'd left, I was fortunate enough to 
to go to university at, at Loughborough. And that's where I, I really started taking coaching seriously and, and exploring it from a, a variety of, of different angles. And just on, on that, note, you know, you talked about going to Loughborough. What was it that you studied there? So I studied sport and exercise science initially as, as an undergraduate, um, quite wide ranging in, in the first couple of years and then specialised in, in my last year in pedagogy and, and coaching science. So, mm. yeah, I was really fortunate to have three really productive productive years there across the disciplines. Brilliant. And, you know, just touching there, you mentioned there that obviously going into uni and, uh, you know, that it was a real almost stimulus uh, and instigated kind of propel you into your coaching career from that point onwards. Am I just talking to about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think first off, like I said, really fortunate that Loughborough is such an outstanding sport and institute across the board and had a real good insight into how a variety of different sports implement their development program. So from across the Olympic sports, rowing, cycling, athletics, rugby, and just seeing what really good world-class sporting development looks like. So that, that was a real pivotal part of, of the time that, that I spent there. Uh, and then definitely from an academic point of view, there was, um, yeah, it, it really sparked my, my interest and some furtherance in, in coaching that it wasn't just about, you know, diagrams and finding ways to, to put on sessions that flowed in a certain way. Um, and that there was a lot of, you know, theory underneath it to be a really good practitioner. So yeah, it, it set a little fire off and, and from there, um, yeah, it really started to, to see coaching as a, a profession. So it was a, a fantastic period of my life. So three years on, you know, moving into, you know, the, the whole pedagogy and coaching sciences element, successfully graduated. How did the coaching journey, you know, continue from that point onwards? Yes, yeah, so again, re- really fortunate. A coach that um, I, I'd worked with when, when I was playing um, was the youth team coach at Luton uh, at the time. So, um, once I graduated, I, I got back in contact with with him. He was a, a great mentor for, for me, Martin Prickett, um, f- throughout my um, yeah my younger days, and he was also a PE teacher at, at the school I was at. Um, so yeah, got got back in contact with with Martin. He was really um, really open with me going into to Luton and assisting him with with some work with the, the youth team, and had a couple of weeks there, which was which was brilliant in in the professional environment. And a couple of months later, I was fortunate enough to, to be offered a, a full-time job and yeah, stayed there for just over, over 10 years. So it was um, a really nice transition for me, really fortunate in, in the way it came about and just lucky to work with so many, so many really good practitioners and, and great people who have helped me develop along the way. Brilliant. And so when you want you in today, you talk there about having a full-time role down at Luton. What, how did that how did that come about exactly in terms of what role was that? Because, um, you know, over the years, you said you spent 10 years. Um, I'm, sure, I'm assuming you, you know, I, I went through various roles there. Obviously, when we when we first met, you was the head of coaching down at Lewin. Yeah. Um, mind just talking to us about that journey a little bit, how you started off at Lewin and how it built up to that point? Yeah, absolutely. So I think at the time, yes, the, the rules around youth development were, were changing. And again, it was probably a timely... Um, yeah, an opportune moment to, to get involved when the EPPP was was being branded about and a lot of full-time roles in youth development were being created. So my first role was an amalgamation of roles, I suppose, of 
a bit of sports science work across the, the youth team and the first team. Um, the club didn't have a sports scientist at, at the time back then in, in 2010. So um, that was, yeah, something that I kind of fell into. And then alongside that, there was, you know, coaching roles were, were opening up in, in the academy programme. So I had a, a dual role of, of sports science and physical development during the day and then coaching um, across the, the age groups in the academy at the evening. And I suppose that was a, a real cornerstone of my own personal development in that I was, you know, I had access to a variety of different environments at the time where I could see so many highly experienced people work um, who could mentor and, and guide me. And I'm very grateful for that. So, yeah, a, a bit of a unique role and, and really fortunate, again, that, that I managed to, to pick that up at that moment in time. Brilliant. And you touched on there, you know, about you refer back to about having a dual role. And it's really interesting to know how much of a part that your degree and their experience in the sports science things eventually helped you out when you started actually coaching on a more consistent basis? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. Um, it helped to a certain extent, as I think would be my answer, in that I think having an understanding of scientific principles when you're coaching and working is advantageous. Um, but I do think that it has its limitations. So you, you can't be, in my opinion getting out there, getting loads of experience through trial and error, working in a variety of different environments, working with players from different backgrounds, um, that there's a feel and, and a lot of intangibles to coaching around, you know, how you develop relationships, how you communicate that formal education doesn't give you. So I think it gave me a base um, and it gave me some understanding. It probably led to me leaving Loughborough, asking more questions than I knew answers. Um, but I'd like to think it, it gave me some theoretical understanding that I was then able to inform some of the, the work that I was doing, but, but by no means did it encompass um, or was it all encompassing probably should I say the, the roles that I undertook at that moment in time. Definitely. And you touched on there about, you know, leaving yourself with questions to, you know, be answered essentially. But, that, that, you know, if we look at that, that's surely that's only a good thing, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose if, if you're in a position where you're not continually questioning yourself and, and your practice, then you may be in not a great position for your own personal development. And we would probably um, demand that of, of the players and the people that we work with. So, yeah, I suppose having that intellectual curiosity is is a good thing uh, and it helps you keep yeah keep questioning yourself and challenging your your methodologies to, to keep improving. So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably a a mindset and an attitude that is favourable, even if sometimes it can drive you a bit a bit crazy when you're reflecting on some of the work that you've done. Definitely, and I think it's that, that passion that coaches need, you know, to always want to do more and achieve, I guess, get more out of their sessions. And I think it is constantly asking those questions is going to be key. You know, certainly there's been times where I've left the sessions, you know, almost scratching my head and I'm surely there's, not, there's another way to do this or there's a way to make this even better. Um, but, you know, I just want to take you back to your time. You know, you started off initially as mentioned there an amalgamation of roles um part sports science part coaching where did that journey start in terms of was that in the foundation phase was that youth development phase or yeah so uh, across the phases yes really i was fortunate to to get some exposure to working um yeah across from the very youngest players and up to to my day-to-day -day stuff with with the youth team and some of the first team players so i, I kind of saw the, the sports science and coaching element not as separate entities um, and that 
really high level practitioners in that field would be able to put on sessions that had physical outcomes for the players, but didn't feel different to football. Mm. So that, that was, um, I suppose, again, accelerated maybe my own personal learning and development in that I was practicing stuff during the day that I could then use in the evening and then vice versa and, and working out, you know, what maybe worked better with younger players, what the older players liked and trying to get loads of loads of feedback. So, yeah, I didn't personally see the roles as like really separate and different, if that makes sense, just that maybe the focus of or the title was different, but essentially it's about improving people and improving players. Definitely. And, you know, just on that, then how, how important do you think and it is what it was for you and maybe for other coaches possibly looking to go into that, that you had experience knowing what it was looking like, I guess, at the entry level and then knowing what it looked like on the top end of the academy system in that. Did that help you? You know, would you mind speaking to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it did. Um, seeing boys from as young as six and seven, right up to, you know, 18, 19, 20. Um, so for, for my current role and, and my career now, I think it was it was beneficial. Um, and then com- conversely, as I think the, the current model of seeing more expert coaches in the foundation phase where we've got real specialists working with the very youngest players is also a real positive, positive move for youth development in this country and that people aren't, you know, going down that traditional route of, working with older players is, is better and been fortunate enough to work with some outstanding foundation phase coaches who are just real experts in that niche area. So yeah, for me, it was, it was beneficial in my current role, but I also appreciate that for certain people that they may have no interest in working outside of a certain phase. And I think that is also, you know, a, a really viable career option. And I've got, you know, massive respect for, for people who do that. You know, just touched on there about, you know, not, I guess, essentially setting your sights on one particular phase. You know, there's plenty of coaches that will you know, have ambitions of going straight into the uh, youth development phase or straight into the professional development phase. Um, and more often, you talk there about specialists as well in the foundation, but more often than not, the, the, the challenge is the financial aspect as well, isn't it? Because I think a lot of coaches, uh, and I think just the way the system is set up, it, it, it almost, on the surface, looks as if, Financially, you're better off if you're working with the older age groups. Um, so, so for some people, where they could be specialists with the foundation phase, that could uh, be, I guess, a deterrent factor in terms of that. Um, but you talk there about specialists. How important is it that coaches do identify where they're maybe best placed and really pay attention to that? Obviously, not completely forgetting and negating the fact that there is other circumstances, like I said, finances or um long-term career paths that they might have ambitions on but would you mind just talking to how in terms of how you know certainly from your experience in you know, working through the academy process and then obviously becoming a head of coaching how important is it really have people who are specialists in those roles yeah i think it's it's absolutely critical um i guess that for some people yes yeah, so who are starting out they might not know exactly where their skill set lies so for um and look i'm probably still in that bracket myself in that um yeah i might be stronger in some areas than others and, and you flex and, and move with that so i think for certain people it will be trying to dip your toe across the phases and and seeing if if you take to a particular age group or, or your skill set is aligned with development of, of players of a certain age and then for other people they might have a, a real strong sense when they're starting out of you know i will be suited to phase x y or z and that 
becomes a narrower focus for them. So um, I think look, expanding and, and getting a broad range of understanding and skill set is important, but knowing you know, how much knowledge there is to be gleaned working with players of different age groups and the depth that courses like the Advanced Youth Award go into now, having experts who are have outstanding knowledge of players within the relevant, you know, the foundation phase, youth development phase and, and professional development phases is critical for having, you know, a, a really successful youth development programme. Mm. You know, you just touched on there about, you know, the Advanced Youth Award and obviously when the Youth Awards first came out in, you know, in their, I guess, original format, there was a lot of, uh, you know, debate around the controversy and the contradiction between, I guess, the traditional coaching pathway and the youth awards themselves. What, you, what was your experience like going through that? You know, I know certainly when I went through my mod one, mod two, I mean, I, thankfully for me, I, and I say thankfully because I did mine pretty much just after I started coaching, did my level one, did my module one, module two before I even did my level two. Um but soon after I did my level, I was thinking, okay, well, some of the things that have been said on the youth award are very con- contradictory to how they want you, want you to coach on the, the, you know, the traditional pathway. Obviously, as time's gone on, they've started, you know, they've, they've I guess, merged everything together and um, created a real assimilation around those the content within the courses. Um, what would your advice be to those coaches who are maybe considering whether youth development is the pathway to go down or those coaches who have maybe previously done the, the core coaching qualifications but haven't had an opportunity to do the youth awards in the, in the, I guess in their current or pre-existing format yeah sure I think first and foremost as the inception of the youth awards was a, a fantastic move for coach education and coach development in this in this country um, was and again I'm, I may be speaking out of turn here there were people far more knowledgeable than I who were behind putting them them courses and programs of work together mm. um, that the, the fact that they came from a real player-centered approach where I suppose traditional coaching pathways were, were not that way. It was mainly about the practice design and, and what you delivered rather than how you delivered. So for me, that that was a, a big shift in coach education and a, a real positive for access, you know, for coaches across the game uh, as a whole. Um, and, and more recently, the, you know, the amalgamation of the youth award and the, the mainstream coaching badges. So you know, having the, the module one and two as part of the UEFA B, I think is a real positive move again in that you can't go exclusively down one route. So you're not picking up the, you know, the what, the what you're delivering about the how or, or vice versa. So I think that's, that's been again, a, a really fantastic development for, for coaches across the game and would absolutely encourage anyone, even, even coaches who are working, you know, potentially in performance football or adult football, to, to go through that pathway, you know, essentially it's it's about people and, and coaches work with with people and the youth awards undoubtedly give, you know, an insight from both a theoretical and a practical perspective into how we can function and work really well with with people. So I think it's something that everyone should consider um, regardless of the environment that they're working in. And just on that, you know, you talk there about, you know, you're right, they have, you know, obviously they have been brought together as an amalgamation of that pathway youth award pathway and a traditional coaching pathway in that respect but there's, you know, I've had a lot of conversations recently with people uh, coaches and even you know members of the FA um, where we, there's a lot of people coming on the courses now who are maybe feeling a bit frustrated at the fact that there's uh, less emphasis especially certainly from a tutor delivery pers- uh, perspective around the technical corner I think you know certainly when I was going through my you know my pathway working through the qualifications um, 
and I'm sure it might, I'm sure it wasn't too different from yours in that you know we were we were keen to get on the course so that we can really you know digest all that you know some of the technical and tactical content that was become that will come with the courses um and seemingly that's not as prevalent as it used to be so what would your advice be to those coaches who are maybe feeling i guess uh frustrated from that perspective and potentially looking to gain that further knowledge because quite often you know some of the challenges at that at that, at that level and uh is that they don't have that technical and tactical information. Yeah, I, I, th I think it's a, a real good area for, for debate. He has that ta tacit learning of, you know, other coaches is a, you know, a really crucial way of picking up and assimilating knowledge. And um, I know you've had Jeff on, on here in the past, who was one of the master coach educators at that. And I was really fortunate enough to, to go through some of, of my own coach development programs with Jeff and, and learn a lot in a short space of time. So I think it's it's probably all about the, the balance and, you know, having a, a variety of options for coach education where there is the, you know, the, the option to, to see some really highly experienced coaches work and get some insight into how they would deliver certain topics in, in certain environments. And then also the, you know, the option for people to, to express themselves and impart their own personalities and, and individualism on, on sessions, knowing that every environment is is different and every set of you know players or groups that that staff will be working with are, are different as well and will have their own individual needs so I, I think it's yeah a brilliant area for debate and a balance across the, the spectrum would probably be the, the most favorable way to go Definitely. i just want to come back to your journey a little bit now you know we obviously you know starting off at moving in moving into i guess a role where you're working across different across the different phases how long did that last and when did it start to become a bit more, uh, I guess, specific around what your role was? Yeah, so um, I, I moved to, to Lincoln as last May, so um, just over a year ago now to, to take up the post of, of academy manager. So it was, uh, yeah, I left Luton with a, a heavy heart. It was a fantastic club that, like I've alluded to earlier, I was, you know, I owe my career to the people who worked at that club. So, um, yeah, left, left with a heavy heart, but it was a role that, was you know a really good opportunity for for me personally and um yeah it, it's a it's a wide you know there's a wide scope of of work to to do but something that I'm learning every day uh, and trying to trying to pick up new things and, and be the best that that I can be in it um I'm still figuring it out I have to be honest and have good days and, and bad days and much like coaching try and, and speak to you know people who have uh, a high level of experience um, at doing the role because it is is quite unique but yeah I, I've enjoyed it it's a, it's a new challenge I like to you know try and try and challenge myself as much as I can and hopefully something that, that I can do well in Brilliant. You know, so obviously you're leaving your role at Luton as a head of coaching um, what would you say are some of the key things that you that in that particular role that really helps you now prepare for this one in particular and obviously prior to moving into a head of coaching role what were some of the other roles that you know you kind of put, I guess you took on, you took on before you actually eventually became the head of coach in there? Yeah, so um, I suppose after the my, my initial time at, at Luton, kind of dual rolling across sports science and, and coaching, um, and then the E Triple P came into full force with the the revised youth development rule. So I um, I took up the position of, of youth development phase lead coach in 2013 or 14, maybe around that time. Um, working with the 12s to 16s as, as my first full-time coaching role. So the, that was, a, again, a, another 
fantastic career development move for, for me. And we had a, a team of coaches at the time who were, again, highly experienced and some, some really good people. So, and then the, the biggest thing, I suppose, Yaz, within that, moving from that role into head of coaching for me at the time was just listening to people um, and trying to take in as much information as, as I could. So that, that was, yeah, the, the biggest, well, I don't know if that's advice, that might be the wrong, the wrong word, but yeah, listening, watching, observing, trying to get around and, you know, accrue as much knowledge as I could off, off a variety of people um, across environments to make sure that I was, you know, a, an effective a, a practitioner as I could be. And, you know, just talk there about, you know, being an effective practitioner. What were, what were some of the key fundamentals that you felt that, that were, I guess, key to that in terms of over that time, you know, you've had your, your experience working at Luton over, you know, 10 years now, you say, um, obviously your time, you know, at university studying your degree, you know, throughout this time, you're, you, you know, you're more than surely you're starting to formulate what would be your start, you know, your philosophy based on your values and beliefs and how coaching should look and how player interaction should look and just player development in general. What were some of the key ingredients for you in terms of that aspect of things and what, you know, in your philosophy and how challenging can it be at times and how and did you have any challenges in your journey where you felt that maybe some of your beliefs were contradictory to what were the club, you know, club that you were working at with, with and that's not to say that they were right or you were wrong or you or vice versa did you ever did you have any challenges like that and what you know obviously alluding to what those key ingredients were first yeah absolutely um pl plenty of challenges as across um my, my career so far um i think the first part of that question um was was around my, my own personal philosophy which changes or has changed should I say quite a lot and again like we spoke around at the start I think you're probably in a healthy place if you're questioning that all the time and trying to continually learn and and pick up new pieces of information but there was a there was definitely a big swing probably after two or three years of of coaching full-time where I kind of started to realize that it wasn't about necessarily what you were delivering and, and the team and it was about people and individuals and how you could get the best out of everyone in a group setting um, and that's something that I still aspire to try and be better at every day um, getting to know each individual as well as possible so you're almost earning the right to coach and influence that young person I think that's that's kind of the base the base level um, and certainly underpins a lot of the, the work that I do that, you know, the information that we give to, to young people on, on the 3G or on the grass is, is only one part of it, but how we look after them holistically, how we speak to them when they turn up at the training ground, how we engage with them, you know, around match day, building them relationships gives you a, you know, a core and a fundamental right to, to work with that young player. So I think that's where I am personally at the moment that, you know, provide, high challenge, high support and, and have, you know, really good sound interpersonal relationships that allow you to do that. Um, I think that the second part around challenges, we were again fortunate that we had a group of staff who who worked in that manner and understood at, at Luton that the children came first and people wanted to do the, the best for them. And and then of course look the nuances of of development for whether that be for individual players, playing philosophy, coaching philosophy that there was always, you know, healthy debate. And I think that, you know, having healthy debate is crucial um, and challenging each other is, is crucial. And if, you know, you've got 20 coaches in a club 
and you all agree you're probably only really hearing one coach's view so that's probably dangerous so having you know having the, the environment where people can challenge each other feel free to speak up about their own ideas their own experiences and want to innovate and push things forward again is you know the the epitome of a healthy development environment definitely and i think you know having that collaboration with other coaches i think is definitely key only certainly for my my own sake in my you know my journey about i think it's about 2016 really where i was where i was put in an environment where i'd have, I'd, I'd have to i guess build a team of coaches and i think that's when it really kind of came to me almost actually you've really got to understand how to work with different people and you've got to understand what their skill sets are and sometimes it's about uh, letting people work within their strengths as well um even if it's in a different way to I guess getting to the outcome that you want to get to, if even if it is in a different way than maybe you would go sure. about it, um, and it's about you know just putting that trust in one another. Sometimes, just you know, interested to know that obviously you know through your time as a head of coach and um, and obviously now as an academy manager, was there any situations where you maybe felt that you could see where or you know where you needed to get to with, with a certain, I guess, task, a group of players or a, set, or, or a coach in, in that respect. Um, but maybe they were very different in the way in which they wanted to get to that outcome. Uh, y- yes, um, would be the, the short answer. Absolutely. Um, I think having, again, working with people, like you've alluded to there, with with different views will inevitably be a part of any development program where there are a larger number of staff working in there. Um, Mm. And I think if if you go too quickly with that, the danger is that you force your, um, either your opinions or your ideas on people and that can become a resentful process. So I think there there are situations that you have to try and, and manage carefully. And it's a case of, you know, not going fast and going alone, but going at a pace where you can you can go together. Um, and no different to players, as the, the rapport and relationship that you're building with them them coaches will give you a, a fundamental base to, to challenge and try and influence. And for some people, there'll be relationships where it's really healthy. There's constant dialogue, constant debate, constant upskilling. It's a two-way process. I think in the head of coaching role, you have the ability to influence and upskill but also you get a lot of influence and upskilling back when you work in an environment of good people um and then yeah you you use the word there and you know your last pros around trust you've got to trust your people um and ultimately once you've had that dialogue and that challenge then if you can provide that trust i think you give people the platform to do their best work definitely and i think obviously you know in the situation i described myself and i was obviously fortunate enough to be able to recruit I guess uh, certain members of, of, of the staffing team there, where I could have a bit more of a, I guess like I say, you know, recruit them and have a bit more of a decision as to whether this person is actually going to fit in. But that's not always the case, you know. And obviously, certain, uh, you know, in your role, you know, you're coming into a new club now, you know, um, there's people that are going to be there already. Um, some people you might not necessarily see, um, I guess, as ideal. I'm, you know, it's not not saying there is anyone of that, of that nature at all. Um, but obviously, they're there, and you kind of work with them. Talking to you know, in terms of managing others, some of the strategies and I guess ways that you can go about maybe dealing with that sort of situation if, if it was to arise. 
Yeah. Um, again, I think it's a, a really pertinent point that, that you raise around when you move into a new environment that has a, a large group of people in there can be be conflict with your own um, views or, or your own values. So I think the the first thing to uh, to, to do is listen again and, and spend time um, getting to getting to know people, not judge too quickly. Um, I think in coaching, there can be a real danger of if you only get a, a little glimpse or a small window of what people are doing, you can make some rash judgments. So the, the first, again, I, I don't know if it's advice, that might be the wrong word, yes, but the first piece of um, yeah, guidance potentially would be to yeah, t- take your time, use your emotional intelligence, stay, stay level emotionally and, and watch and get to know people. And, and sometimes you can be surprised on, you know, how good they can be or, or why they deliver or, or work in a certain way. And then, yeah, look, ultimately there, there has to be some level in a, in a development program or a football club where, you know, people adhere to the similar values, similar vision, similar mission and want to go in the same direction. And if you can't change, change the people, then you have to change the people as, as the old adage goes. But I think, yeah, giving people chance um, or a chance to achieve and, and show their, their skill set is, is really important first. Definitely. I just want to come back to you, you know, your role as, as it stands now, you know, the academy manager. you mind just sharing with us what that looks like on a day-to-day? Yeah, so it's um, it, it's a, a really wide-ranging role from um, taking fiscal, um, having the fiscal responsibilities for, for the academy and, and budget management and human resource, I suppose, would be the, the overarching um, elements of it and making sure that the program is is successful and sustainable financially and then yeah again providing a platform i think to to help support develop people and and help them do their best work so if you, if you can do that i don't think it's possible like we spoke around earlier with coaches in different phases to be an expert in absolutely everything so it's it's getting a team of of people who are who are suitably skilled to be able to deliver you know, the, the outcomes of, of the program that, that you want to get to and, you know, maybe set and, and provide a vision that, that people can, you know, can believe in and want to believe in and, and aspire to, to achieve around that. And then, yeah, trust them to, to go and do their best work. Definitely. You know, and just in, in terms of that, so then it, you talked there about, you know, trusting them to do their best work. How... Is there any practices that you currently implement or have implemented in the past, you know, previous roles, um, namely head of coaching role, where you can help coaches do some self-reflection? Because we talked about that piece around you know, becoming a specialist in certain areas. And actually, before you can do that, you need to maybe have, do some self-reflection and be aware of what your strengths and maybe areas for development may be. And then marry that up with, I guess, the, the key ingredients to, you know, to, I guess, achieve some sort of success, depending on what the role looks like and what role and what phase that role may be in yeah sure i think um, first of all it's the importance of feedback in coaching is vital for for anyone to or probably anyone in in any kind of endeavor to to get better and without you know constructive and clear feedback it can be difficult sometimes as an individual to understand your own level of performance or identify blind spots and, and where you need to get better so i think in in any role in any leadership role, having the ability to deliver high quality feedback is really important. Um, and that goes, you know, that encompasses a, a wide variety of, of skills. So being able to, to depersonalize behaviors so that people don't necessarily see it as a, 
a criticism or take it in in the wrong way using models uh, like you know rag rate in certain aspects of a coaching session um, you may agree some different models that that you can pick up to to make it a two-way process and, and buy into you know going on a, a learning journey are, are really key so i think yeah first of all providing high quality feedback is really important again going back to what we spoke about with the players it has to be underpinned by sound personal relationships and you have to be credible um, and without that it's really difficult as i think to to be able to feedback and then for it to be um important or or of value to the person who's receiving it um, and then uh, you know secondly after that you, you have to be at times willing to to make yourself vulnerable and, and show people that you know, you, you are still learning as well. And that's an authentic, you know, an authentic driver that once you are in a, a space where you're not still learning and you're not on that journey that you want people to go on, then yeah, you're, you're probably operating outside of the boundaries that you would want your own people to work in. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Definitely. Just on the you know talk there about that 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 feedback piece. You know, one of the roles I've been uh, I've been working in over the last maybe couple of years now. I've been doing um, some uh, some tutoring for the FA with the level one, level two stuff, and a big you know big conversation that sometimes takes place on some of these courses is around that feedback, um, and just how honest I guess a a coach educator. Or uh, you know, in your in your capacity, a head of coaching as a senior a senior uh, role in the environment, how honest their feedback actually is, because um, you know, in truth, there's a lot of coaches out there, not just coaches, just people in general. Um, they don't they don't take well to sometimes having honest feedback. Um, would you mind just talking to that a little bit in terms of in terms of some of the things that you think are crucial in terms of delivering that feedback, and beyond that, how is and what strategies and what questions maybe coaches could be asking themselves to help them develop a growth mindset to accepting that feedback. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's it's a real two-way process. Yes. And firstly, from the coach educator or um, coach developer, if you're delivering feedback, generally there's a, a kind of correlation between the rapport you will have with a person and the impact your feedback will have. So I think on, on course delivery or whether you're in a club environment, getting to know that person really well at first will give you, a, again, a good platform to work on. If, if you're aloof or distant and don't show an interest in that person, then my experience is it can be more difficult for that individual to, to take that feedback for, for what it is, which is you know generally 99% of the times with good intentions. Um, yeah. And then also to, you know, to, to use your, your human qualities to, to give feedback with an empathetic point of view. So 
people will be coming with a, a variety of levels of you know experience or, or knowledge and really tailoring that to the individual and where they are in in their journey so that it gives them value without being too overbearing in in any given environment i think that would be the the two key things from from people giving feedback and um, you you make a yeah a great reference there to developing a growth mindset of course you know we know now that value in effort and the ability to you know internalize and, and utilize feedback is key to the development of, of people in in any any given skill set so for, for individuals who are receiving it i think you know if i get criticized by you know people who are maybe senior to me and look, i'm not saying all, all feedback will be critical but certainly when you're receiving critical feedback it's trying to develop a mindset that you know it, it's not personal and you'd like to think it's generally coming from a good place and and if it is then you know you can develop the resilience to to deal with that and see it for for what it is which is to improve you as as a person um and just you know depersonalizing the behavior so it's the behavior you're feeding back on or the element of the session you're feeding back on not the values of the person i think it's really important definitely you know certainly i've been, I've been in situations where that feedback can sometimes be uh, you know difficult to take on uh, certainly when you feel like you haven't had uh, I guess a clear build-up and pathway to that, that that being the feedback in there. and with that I want to now relate it back to players now so certainly you know conversations I've had with recently with, with a few coaches and it's been an, it's an ongoing thing where we talk about the six-week reviews we talk about the 12-week reviews and going through the year and essentially the players getting some form of I guess for lack of a better term their own their own appraisals in that respect but some of them are also left at the end of the season quite shocked with the decision if they're if they're not kept on in that respect I think a lot you know, certainly from my experience there's been a lot of times in those sorts of situations where coaches are maybe not as honest as they should be um, with the players and the parents um would you mind just talking to that about whether you've had any experiences of similar to that in the past where you feel that's been the case? Um, and if so, you know, if there's any advice or guidance to maybe some coaches that are maybe going through similar situations in terms of how they might best approach that. Yeah, absolutely. Again, a, a really good area for, for debate, Yaz, for, for me, especially in the, you know, youth development in the pro game and, you know, retain release will always be a part of that, I suppose, as a consequence of, of the model um, and how we manage that as as adults working with children is, is really really important um, that the word you use there honesty i think is critical in in this that if you if you feedback with honesty um, and clarity as a you know on a consistent basis then at least the message that you're giving comes from from a good place if you don't i think that's where conflict can arise when there's lack of clarity or the feedback is misrepresented or or disingenuous for the young player um, and look with, with real young players it's you know you do have to be careful and use your you know your empathy skills and, and your human um, you know your real human values to make sure it's delivered in in the right way and it can be tough I think it's a an area that coaches generally don't get formal training in and the softer skills now around that are really really important um, and then the, the the big bit of advice that I would suggest in you know, player parent reviews, appraisals, meetings is never to to over promise and then under deliver. I think that creates a, a total lack of trust from a, a coach player relationship. So I think we've always got to be careful and flip that on his head to to under promise and then over deliver. And no one no one ever minds, you know, getting more than they expected. But when you do the reverse, 
that then causes problems um, for yeah, not only individual relationships, but of course across the development program. Definitely, I think you know just touching there about that feedback needs to be tailored almost um, for the, for especially if it's a younger player. How much you know? You know, I'm not sure what the situation is down at Lincoln, and I'm, you know, I'm not sure what kind of work goes in at what what went on at Luton, rather. Um, but I know there's a lot of clubs doing some very good work around building, I guess, almost an educational program for the parents themselves and helping their parents understand what, what role they could be playing in that development and I guess making that extra effort to build those relationships with the parents, so that, you know, so that there is a transparency in what's going on, not just on the field but off the field as well. You know, is there anything? Is there any things that you guys are doing down at Lincoln at the moment that? you know, uh, fall into line with that sort of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. think, again, another great point around um, any development programme, you have that triangle of, of relationships where it's coach, player and parent. And it would be remiss of us not to appreciate the influence that parents have um, on players, especially during the foundation phase and, and youth development phase age groups. Um, so this this recent period of time has, has been been fantastic for that from from us at Lincoln at the minute, where we've been able to get on Zoom calls and Microsoft Teams and the various technology that we all seem to have picked up pretty quickly and, and maintain and, and generate some some new contacts even with parents around the rationale of why we work in, in a certain way and why we feed back in a certain way and you know getting them to understand the importance of individual learning plans and why we're trying to maybe play in a certain way that might not always win games, but we're trying to develop certain areas. And then it just enables that triangle to be joined up rather than it being, you know, coach to player and then the parent coming from a, you know, really left field from a totally different angle. So I think that the more we can keep that triad of, you know, people on, on the same page and having real clarity in, in the development process is, is really important. Um, and something that we've probably got to look to continue to, to do better at um, because parents ultimately spend you know, far more time with the young the young people than we do as coaches. And and look, we'll have a bigger influence on them. We're we're probably naive if we think as coaches we have a bigger influence on young people than their parents. I would I would challenge that notion and suggest that we don't. So I think yeah, parent education is an absolutely vital part of the process. Brilliant. Um, just to kind of move things on a little bit now. I just want to come back to you, obviously your personal journey. I just wanted to know within your you know your observation your time in the game what would you say your biggest bugbear has been when it comes to coaching Oof. um i think well. yeah absolutely look it's to, to try and pick pick one is is maybe difficult but i think for coaches of certainly in, in youth development who are in it without putting the, the player first is is criminal really um that's probably my biggest um yeah something that I find difficult to understand. Um, I'm really fortunate. It's, it's been a rare occurrence in, you know, the environments that I've worked in. So I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate, I suppose, from, from that perspective. But yeah, look, the, the idea or I suppose the essence of coaching is that we're trying to improve and develop someone else. So it's about stepping or taking yourself out of the, the limelight and, and making sure we're working with the other, the other people in, in mind. And yeah, for the few people who don't do that, then of course that that's really disappointing to see. Definitely, and just on that, then you know, you, is there some of your bugbears? What would you say some of the 
positive and key behaviors that you've definitely seen in your in your experience and is there any standout moments you thought that coach has done that and that was that was really good that was really good it's something i'm going to take forward and apply for myself yeah absolutely um so i'm, I'm really fortunate to work with some some fantastic people at the moment at lincoln city um and we went to we went to germany as in in january so just before uh, coronavirus took hold and I was fortunate enough to, to attend that tournament with our under nines um, and our foundation phase lead coach, Lee Moran. Um, and the way he constructed a weekend, um, not just around the football and the tournament, but personal and life skill development for the boys was, was outstanding. It was something that I came back on the plane home on, a, on the Monday afternoon and wrote copious notes around the way um, Lee interacted, engaged the boys, not just in, um, you know, in terms of life skills and, and personal development and the football, but the way he kind of interacted and put all of the them elements together to involve the players in, in the planning, the process, how we were going to play at such a young age was, was fantastic. And yeah, that, that's something that really, you know, it hit home with me around having access to players for, for a longer period of time. And, you know, loads of examples from, from across the years. Ross O'Kane, the foundation phase lead coach at Luton, fantastic player developer. Um, James Townsend, the youth development phase lead coach at Luton, Ash Foyle at, at Lincoln. So I, I've been really fortunate um, just to work with some some outstanding people. And yeah, I'd probably take up far too much of your time if I had to go through every single one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really grateful to have had the opportunity to work with, with people like that. You talked about some of the positives, obviously working with great coaches and having you know exposure, you know, directly to some of the great, great, uh, I guess, strategies and you know some of the practices that they would kind of carry through. It just in contrast to that, what would you say is one of the, you know what has been one of the biggest challenges in your coaching journey? And you know, if 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 you've been able to, how have you gone about dealing with it? And if you haven't yet, then you know, what you what, what would you say is your plan to go ahead and try and conquer that? Yeah, I think one of the well, one of the biggest challenges is probably trying to admit and realise how bad I was when I first started out. That's a pretty harrowing process to go through um, as you accumulate more knowledge. So um, I look back now on when I first first started and cringe a little bit with what and how I would have delivered to the players. So um, looking in the mirror and being honest with yourself in that is um, yeah can be tough sometimes to to realise that you were actually really, really bad at one point. And yeah, look, maybe I still am. I don't know, but I definitely, hopefully I'm a little bit better than, than I once was. Um, so, so that's, that's tough. Um, and then, yeah, m maybe not a, a challenge for, as, from a coaching perspective, but something that I find really difficult is, um, or maybe upsetting at times is when young people don't fulfill their potential because of, you know, whether that's their mentality or, or attitude or, or I failed to, have you know the requisite amount of influence on them as a as a person to help them do that? I, I always find that the most um, yeah the the toughest thing to deal with in the development process. I think you sort of talk there about you know young people and the mentality and attitude. Do you feel that's something that you can actually coach though? Yeah, absolutely. Um, re really strongly about that. I think you absolutely can affect the mindset of of young people. Um, it takes time. It takes energy, it takes persistence, um, and it takes an environment that almost necessitates people will will develop that area of themselves and will act in a certain way. So I, th I think you can. I don't think it's easy. I think it's probably 
the hardest but most powerful part of of a development journey knowing how important you know core psychological values are in elite performance and, and high performance in any endeavor um but I, i'm at, well certain is the wrong word because i don't think you can be certain of anything but i'm very um or of the opinion that you can develop growth mindset you can develop grit you can develop resilience you can get boys to aspire to high standards and high behaviors absolutely Definitely. I mean, I, I, I agree. I was just asking the question just to get your thoughts on it, but more so, you know, something, an interesting point that you alluded to there, and I was hoping that you would, was talking about the actual environment itself and having an environment that actually sets that as almost one of the outcome goals. Um, and why, why, you know, why I'm glad you brought that up, because I think there's a lot of environments in particular, certainly people will look at it from the outside in and say that some of the academy environments are almost uh, stop players and, you know, do not really on on the surface of things, there you know, there's conversations I've had with plenty of people, and they say they're not, they're not really uh, they don't really support the players as much as they should, you know, because there's so many players out there they can just drop this one and pick up another one if that makes sense. Um, but you know, I think it's definitely definitely uh, you know important that the environment is the right one in that they are looking to maybe not just support the player on as a footballer but as a person. And I think you know if you can have that impact and yeah, you touch on there, develop that mindset, whether that be. Um, leading them into a, a long-term professional football career or not. I think ultimately the underlying thing for me and the backdrop of everything is can we develop this individual to become a more confident and uh, positive member of society in its whole. Um, Absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And ultimately, as yes, for, for me, you know, better, better people who have a, you know, a, a better attitude and driven attitude to education and self-improvement will ultimately end up being better players anyway. So I don't think separating the two sometimes. Um, sometimes we view it as like a dichotomy. You can do one or the other, like develop the player, develop the person. Um, but but ultimately, it's about doing both at the same time and they go hand in hand. So I think it's a great point. Now, on that though, have you ever have, had any individuals where maybe you've had to completely change your approach because they present you with some different problems or different challenges, shall I say, that... You're not, you don't usually come across, but you know that actually we're going to have to handle this one differently because there's, there's something that, that we, can, we can unlock in some respects. Yeah, de definitely. Um, I think there's quite a few um, boys across the years I've been fortunate enough to work with who, whether Maverick's the right terminology or, or outlier, um, who have been very unique individuals in their own way, but, but very talented boys. Um, certainly didn't get it right a lot of the time. Um, I think it would be remiss to mention them in, in person because some of them are, are still young people, but it's an area that, again, I think is under-researched and perhaps not fully understood in terms of how we deal with people who either have you know different goals, different aspirations, behave in different ways, but are talented young people. So um, I can't really provide any concrete answers. I think it's something I'm still trying to learn and develop all mm. the time. Um, but certainly I've, I've had the, the opportunity um, and, and been fortunate to, to try and, and work and develop and, and improve them players. So, yeah. Definitely. You talked there obviously about, you know, players ultimately will get better if they have that, that learning mindset and what have you know, that thirst to gather to develop in respect. So coming back to yourself now, you know, you talked earlier, you mentioned uh, Martin Prickett there. I was just wondering, interestingly enough, um, if you've had any other major influences in your journey and, you know, what are some of the biggest lessons you've taken from them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, 
I'd take up far too much of, of your time going through everyone who's um, been kind enough to donate some some of their time to help me right. improve. So let's, let's narrow it down then. Let's say if you had to pick two key lessons that you've learned from, I guess, someone uh, formally or informally, because, you know, there's a lot of informal, um, I guess, mentors in that respect and no one it's not a formal relationship it just it's probably just through a friendship or just a peer of some sort where you've really taken away a, a key message and you know i think a lot of people as well need to understand that sometimes it's not just someone who's maybe necessarily older than you or maybe more experienced in your field it's just even through life experiences some lessons can be transferable in that respect what would you say two key lessons that you've kind of taken on board um, or two that might stand out for you as uh, very crucial yeah, absolutely. I like it. As you're challenging me now, I thought this is going to be an easy ride and you're not, uh, yeah, you're not going to let me get away scot-free. Um, so yeah, look, the, the first one, if I was to, to be pushed for two, would be Greg Broughton. Um, so Greg Broughton was the academy manager at Luton when I first started. Um, f- fantastic leader, um, human qualities f- through the roof. And the biggest thing I think that Greg did for me and my own personal development as was he, he just trusted me. So he trusted me to go into different environments across the academy and, and work and improve and, you know, be able to go through a trial and error process, mm-hmm. not through a not through a try and I'm going to critique you, you know, constantly. And, and when you did mess things up, it was like a guide in hand and a guide in path. So Greg would absolutely be, um, yeah, one of the, the people in, in my career have helped me you know, an, an inordinate amount. And just on that, though, before you go on to the second one, you know, you talk there about that trust in you. Now, that's not necessarily something that you can go to um, a another individual or even Greg in that in that instance and say, Greg, you're going to have to trust me or Greg, I need your trust. That's something, obviously, that has to come from them. Now, what would you what would you say to maybe those coaches or anyone listening to this that might be in a position where they need that superior person in the in the in the, in the chain? or that senior figure to put the trust in them, but they haven't quite got it yet, or they don't feel like they've got it yet? Sure. Again, re- really good question. So I think if so if you're working with someone who is um, stifling your own personal development or you haven't got an optimal environment where you can go through that trial and error process, trying to influence upwards, if, if that's the right word, I'm not a hierarchical person, but if you're trying to influence upwards, that is a really difficult skill and mm-hmm. something that, um, yeah, I absolutely appreciate can be tough for for people to navigate. I think, again, my biggest bit of advice would be to listen um, and listen intently and then try and slowly start to bridge um, the, the areas of whether it's non-compliance or, or things that, you know, superiors think you should get better at and try and think in their terms. So why is that person asking me to do this? And then slowly but surely over a period of time you can generate and develop a relationship that becomes mutually beneficial rather than directive definitely you know just you know without letting you get away scot-free you had a second person in mind didn't you yeah i did i did indeed so um the the second person as i think would be um sir paul grant so i've been really fortunate over the last three or four years um in conjunction with the the development programs that have been rolled out by the premier league to to work with Sir Paul as, as my personal mentor, um, who's been fantastic. So Sir Paul was a, a head teacher in, in East London for 17, 18 years and, and turned a, a failing school into a, an elite high-performing school. And his knowledge of, of human development and, and leadership has, has helped me immeasurably develop my softer skills. So 
um, emotional intelligence, the way I communicate with people. Um, and it's something I'm still trying to get better at all the time. But support has just been a, a real guide in hand for me at times when I've, I've needed some support. And just in turn, you talked there about the soft skills and you know that emotional intelligence is real. It is a real, uh, I guess, a game changer if you can get that right. How how if or how how do you go about developing that you know is there any strategies that you've i guess picked up and i'm you know you're talking about the premier league program i'm assuming that you're maybe referring to the the head of coaching the elite head of coaching program is that correct or maybe the, elite, the academy manager program yeah absolutely so i had um i had three years as on the head of coaching program and then transferred to uh to em uh, last may so sure and just you know going through that process and what would you say some of the key uh, strategies and uh, method methodologies are behind maybe going about developing those softer skills and you know, particularly with that emotional intelligence piece? Yeah, I think de- developing um, developing emotional intelligence is, is difficult. Um, it, it takes time. Um, some of the stuff around that Steve Peters um, put out, I suppose, a couple of years ago with, you know, ma- managing the, the chimp was, was yep. quite or resonated quite a lot with me and, you know, making sure that you don't act on impulse and giving yourself time to breathe. Mm. Um, you know, ultimately football is quite an emotional game and, and we can make erratic decisions at times, whether that's, you know, when we're coaching in the moment and I'm sure there'll be plenty of people um, who, you know, ch- tune into your programme here who will think around their, you know, when they're coaching in an emotional state in a game where they've maybe criticised or um, been dismissive of a certain behaviour or certain action and then on reflection after the game I'd, I'd wish they hadn't have done it and you know, I'd certainly fall into that bracket. So, that, that kind of understanding why your brain or why your mind thinks certain things and being able to control that, I think is um, a good starting place. Um, and, and then, yeah, understanding some, some models across the psychological, uh, you know, the psychological spectrum and, and performance management can, can, can help undoubtedly. Um, and it's something that, yeah, still try and develop every day and, and work on, you know, communicating in the most effective way possible and, and depersonalizing and removing emotion at the right time, which can be difficult to do. Definitely. And I think, that, like you say, it is a skill that is uh, it is a soft skill and it certainly can take time to develop. It's not something that you're strong at right at, at this moment in time. But I don't think any, by any means, it should be underestimated how powerful that can be in terms of uh, not just not just player or talent development, just uh, just as a human being in general. Um, Absolutely. Now, as we start to wind down, I just wanted to kind of take you back to the start of your journey now. You know, you, you finish your degree, going going into, I guess, um, coaching with more of a, shall we say, a more intentional mindset. Um, knowing what you know now, if you could go back and speak to Jordan McCann back then, what would your message be to him? Calm down um, and realise you're not very good. I suppose would be the the first point, um, and I suppose to yeah to to broaden broaden horizons. I think when I first started, as I was quite narrow minded, um, and I thought that the knowledge that I'd assimilated from my time in academia was um, like concrete, like this was this was how it should be done. There's research in this area. Do you have an example like, of, of, of an instance that, that occurred where you could think back to and think, well, do you know what? I was really stubborn and uh, I guess dismissive in that moment. Yeah. So I think um, there coming out of university, there was quite a lot of scientific like rationale at the time or um, theory around practice design. So um, whole part whole was, as you'll probably know better than I was coming out in the youth modules. Yeah. Um, 
and there was a lot of you know transference of learning from from practice to game and I was like right that's brilliant this is the way this is how it's got to be done um, without necessarily realizing that you know a balanced approach and and recognizing that all individuals have really specific needs rather than like right that science says this that is applicable to everyone let's go and do it that way so I think at that moment in time I was science driven because I had accrued quite a bit of knowledge or some knowledge over a three-year period and then realized over the years that science is good but if you don't have the art and can't deliver it in an artistic way then you might as well give up so I think that would be the biggest thing just stay open-minded keep learning you know speak to as many people who've got significantly more experience than than you have um, and realize and and then be adaptable to that I think is probably the most important thing I think sometimes the the hardest thing when when you're a coach or have been a coach for a long time in one environment is to change your opinion because it can be a sign of weakness. I don't know if that makes sense yes, to you or, or resonates, but um, yeah, that can be a tough skill to do. And, and I think I didn't do that as early as I could off. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, that bit that you talked about, a sign of weakness. I, don't, I think um, if, if one thing that I've learned in my coaching journey is in order to become better, you need to make yourself vulnerable. And I think th- sometimes vulnerability can look at, uh, can come across as a sign of weakness. I mean, I've certainly had situations with my players in the past where, you know, I'll, I'll be open and honest. I'm saying, look, lads, I'm, we're going to try this today. I've never tried this. This is what I'm hoping is going to happen. Let's see what actually happens. Um, and I think that vulnerability and that honesty, and, uh, you know, that allowing you, you know, being brave enough to do that can sometimes bring down any barriers uh, the players may put up in terms of uh, critiquing what's going on. But then it, it's almost like you're inviting them into the process. And I think that it, it becomes a more collaborative approach in that respect. And you know, something that you touched on earlier about when the Youth Awards came in, there was this uh, emphasis around it being player-centred. But I think there's you know, something else you know, that I just want to touch on is that there's a quite, a, quite a confusion at times around being player-centred and player-led. Um, sometimes it can be coach, you know, it, it, it absolutely can be coach-led, but player-centred. Um, and vice versa, it could be fully player-led as well as being player-centred, asking them to reflect. But I think that piece about wanting to develop and I guess showing a sign of weakness that any, you know, any coaches listen to, certainly from my perspective, I think the weakness is in not changing rather than actually being open to the change. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's, yeah, alluding to that is I, I wasn't in that place, um, you know, uh, early on in my career. And that's something that, yeah, it took time to develop. And I, I couldn't agree more that being of that mindset is, is, is a really healthy place to be. Definitely. So, you know, not, you know, almost, I guess, 12 years now in working in, I guess, the academy side of things. Yeah, I think uh, so, yeah. You know, you've gone through various roles, starting off, you know, sports science, moving into, I guess, just regular coaching roles and eventually into head of coaching. Now, academy manager, 12 years on. What's next for Jordan McCann? Yeah, I think at, at the minute I'm obviously pretty new in, into post at, at Lincoln. Um, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed my time at, at the club. Um, and for me at the moment, it's about consolidating the, the learning that that I've, I've put in place over the last year and, and being the best I can be in, in my current role. So um, we spoke briefly there around the Premier League development programmes. They've been been fantastic for, for me. Um, fortunate enough, again, to have access to some really good good people and academy managers across the, the country with significant experience. So that gives me a, a chance to yeah keep learning, keep developing, keep progressing and 
and hopefully, um, yeah, be, be as good as I can in, in the role I'm in at the moment. Brilliant. Now, I'm going to get an answer out of you on this one. Let's go, Scott, through for this. 60 seconds. If I was to give you 60 seconds now and I wanted you to leave the listeners with one golden nugget, what would that be, Jordan? So for, yeah, for, for me, it would be, uh, and we've spoken about it, about it quite a bit in, in the past hour, would be just to remain open-minded and, and curious. Um, I think it's having that, that proficiency to always want to learn, always want to get better and not dismissing things too easily or being too set in your ways is absolutely crucial for yeah, the development of you as a coach or, or in any endeavour um, that, that people have in, in their lives. So I think, yeah, w- without that, and I was certainly very, very guilty of that, if you are too narrow-minded and, and not willing to, you know, broaden horizons, keep searching for new ways to, to learn, not just formal, but informal as well. So, uh, you know, reading podcasts like, like this and, and picking up little nuggets all the time off different people, then you probably won't get to, to be as good as you can be. So that would be, um, yeah, that'd be my biggest bit of advice. Brilliant. You know, just one final question for you, you know, it might challenge you a little bit, but you touched on there, you know, just going into, you just recently come into the post as academy manager. So, you know, I guess you want to find your feet in that role a little bit and, you know, really explore what that looks like for you in the immediate term. But if we now, I guess, look, look ahead, maybe 20, 30, maybe in 40 years when you, you know, starting to wind down on your career, finally retiring from the game what would you want your legacy to be yeah i think if i'm if i'm still alive in 40 years that'll be uh that'll be goal number one um i think for for, for me as i'd like to think even even so far in you know the, the short time i've been fortunate enough to to work in you know in youth development and work with some fantastic people that the the boys that i've had the opportunity to coach and and the staff that i've had the opportunity to work with would always say that I had their best interests at heart and, and I gave, you know, my all to help them be as, as good as they can be. That, that would be something that, yeah, would really resonate with me and something that I would like to be remembered for, for, for my coaching, that, that I helped people to, to fulfil their potential and, and done that in a real genuine manner. Brilliant. I think that sometimes it, it often is just a little moments of gratitude and I guess, and it might be a player that you've coached in the past, give you a call just to check in on you or that you see, even just seeing that a player's done well and you've had a positive impact, especially we talked earlier about, you know, those Mavericks, um, as you put it, um, who might be going through troubled personal lives and whatnot uh, or have uh, bring their own challenges even. And then, you know, just to go and see that they might, you know, even if they haven't made a game, uh, uh, I guess a career of in the professional game, they've gone on to, I guess, become good people and, um, develop a better life for themselves and I think that can be so rewarding um, for you know not just coaches but yeah like I said you know we're not, we're not it's not just football players that we're developing we're developing talent supporting the development of talent rather um, but ultimately we're helping to develop people for society that, uh, to go out into the world of I guess every day um, so I think that's definitely uh, you know that bit there about wanting to do it with jet with a genuine intent as well I think is really crucial and I think that hopefully for any of your players that might be listening to any coaches that you've worked with in the past that you might be listening to this or even current coaches that is hopefully you know when when you do part ways in whichever way you do that that is what you will you will be remembered for but a very special thanks today for our guest Jordan McCann Lincoln City Academy Manager 
Um, thanks, Yaz. Thanks for having us. Much appreciated. Now, guys, get in touch. Let us know your thoughts, what your key takeaways were from today. And just on that note, Jordan, do you have any social media handles that you'd be happy for the listeners to get in touch on? Yeah, absolutely. I do. I'm not generally a, a massive social media person, but I'm on I'm on Twitter um, on at Jordan. I think it's underscore underscore McCann. So yeah, please uh, do feel free to to get in touch and it'd be uh, great to to hear from a few people and and get some feedback in through coaching style. Brilliant. Well, there you have it, guys. It's another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series, where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.